I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show with Stradstone Jaguar Land Rover Houghton Lispring. Visit their temporary sales home at Doxford International Business Park. Welcome along to the Wise Men's uh, Preview Show with Sun FM, where you don't need me to tell you, I'm sure, what we're going to be talking about tonight primarily. Simon Grayson has gone. And we have is it, mm, we have this debate every, every time we play a borough. Is it a derby or is it not? We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get some of your views on who you want to be the next Sunderland manager. And we'll look back at the Bolton game, which started the whole thing off. Well, it didn't really, because he's he's like won one in fifteen, and that started yeah, the whole a, thing yeah. off in August. <laughs> yeah, no winning thirteen games, yeah. league games is quite bad, really, isn't it? After not winning in August for twenty years or whatever no, it is, not winning before October was it? Mm. And then you finally win one. You think we've turned the corner, and then you yeah. don't win again. It's like if you could have been given a choice at the start. Okay, you can win a game in August, but you won't win another one until Christmas or whatever. Then well, he's, you, you know, might have reassessed. Started. Quite well, didn't we? Really, the season when you look at it, you know, we had the, we thought, oh, that's a tough start, but we got the decent performance. Point Derby went to Norwich and won. Point at Sheffield Wednesday after Point that. Point at Sheffield Wednesday took the lead in that game. And Seems like a long time ago. Won, lead, won in the cup, leads, won in the cup yeah, as well uh, in, in between. And that but, Leeds game seemed to be the one that you know was a little bit of a. A reality that, check, but mm. yeah, and it doesn't feel as. It didn't quite make recovered. people too down at no, the Leeds one. It, it was the ones afterwards. I think everyone was philosophical about, it, weren't they, and going, well, you know, you're going to lose some games, and well, you know, but unfortunately, we've lost like well, nine. We're going to have a little look so. back, a little look back at that. Um, but we're going to, I mean, we'll talk about the Bolton game first. We do have a couple of guests with us this evening. Phil Smith is with us again from the Sunderland Echo. Oh, I know you were only in last week, Phil, but big news and all that. So we wanted to get your opinion on it. Pleasure to be here. And Michael Loff is here as well, just sort of kicks kicks around with us when he when he feels like it. Joining us as well to talk about Grayson and all the other stuff I've got to talk about. Should we talk about the Bolton game first though? Just get out of the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get it out of the way. Is that, was, that def- Mar- was that Martin Bain's approach? How like, many, I, two minutes at the end of the game? Like, just uh, pop in here with us well, a second. Well, the manner of the second we will go into as well. Are you will go into that now then rather than sort of have to like loop back round onto it. How, it, it, how far away from the ground were you when you well, found out? I was, still I was in the town. Outside the way, chief. Yeah. <laughs> I was in town, and then somebody said it as I was a walking past. Somebody I didn't know said it as a walking past. And I went, nah, because obviously we know. Well, not even just we know. Everybody knows yeah. what happens post match. You have the ritual, don't you? Where yeah. they go and speak the players, speak the TV, speak the radio, going in and see Phil and that and the written journalist in the little press conference room, and it, you can understand it in a way because it saves. It saves them having to do all that. There's yeah. something quite degrading about letting the manager go out, I guess, isn't it, Phil? And, and because you but inevitably, you question, yeah, you yeah. inevitably would have said to him, "Do you fear for your future now? Do you think that might be it?" And he's saying, "Well, I can understand why people are saying that, but uh, I'm going to come out for that." And he went all full Yorkshire and tried to do a proper. No, I won't do that. Say, well, um, we'll, get, we'll get, get Frankie on the phone and meet him pretend. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he, and he, he would come out and say. Um, 
well, you know, I, I could understand why you're saying that, but until I'm told otherwise, I'm going to continue, I'm a fighter, and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, he would have got a phone call in the morning to... Yeah, I think it had, uh, it had reached the point as well after the the way the Bolton game had gone, the defending was just so abysmal. I think you'd have been reached the territory where you're not asking a manager whether he fears for his future. You're kind of saying, do you feel like you have to walk away? You know, can you turn this around? So they did spare him from that. Um, but the whole thing just, just seemed seemed quite odd because the way he was gone suggests that it was very much a, a win-or-you're-out kind of game, yeah. which I find very strange because if you've reached a point where you think a manager has to win a game, Surely you've got such little faith in him that he should go anyway. What if they'd, if if one had gone in off someone's backside in stoppage time and they'd sneak mm. three points? Would he have clung on? I'm not sure. I guess the way they could look at that is to say, if, how psychological is this thing where Sunderland can't win at home, and and that it doesn't matter if you win the game by going in off someone's backside. Maybe this whole weight will be lifted off his shoulders. That would be the argument. I guess maybe true, but I would, I would argue there's nothing psychological about the defending in that game. I mean. <laughs> You know, Psychopathic. <laughs> oh, it was it was true. I mean, you, know, you add up the back. Actually, I don't. Over year, I thought I had a good game, but you add up the back four, the international caps, yeah. the Premier League appearances, and that we back did four. that on Monday, didn't we? We we looked at those, but that, mm. the back four that played in, in the previous game being internationals. What we did say is he needs to stop chopping and changing his team, and he made three to the back five again, which rightly or wrongly he's he's, he's chopping and changing again. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no there's no side in the history of football has been successful changing goalkeepers all the time. You know, there are some positions where you just need continuity. Centre arse one of them, goalkeepers the other. Um, but they just get bullied by average players. It's just and the foundations just aren't there. And it didn't look to me like it was getting better. Um, it looked to me like it arguably was just going to get worse and worse. Um, well, I think it, you, you know you look at the sorry Michael's desperate to speak and he hasn't yet. So how many minutes are we in? Five minutes. In total. The night's young. The night's young. Um, I actually was <laughs> sitting in the second half thinking. Probably is, I felt a bit sorry for Grayson for a change because I was like, I don't really see what more he could have done in that second half because I thought his changes were good. I thought Vaughan made a difference, even though he's not great. He he, he changed things a little bit, changed, changed the way we sh- were played. Obviously, McNair coming on made a massive difference. Mm. He looked excellent when he came on. Got, got his first time we've seen a midfielder get his head up, you know, get his foot on the ball, get his head up. And score a goal. He's yeah, a goal scoring yeah. midfielder. I'm promising yeah. everybody he is. I'm well, telling he, you. He's referring to himself <laughs> as a goal scoring midfielder. He said, you know, before he was saying, there's, I think there's a place in the team for an attacking midfielder. So he's obviously got himself into that position um, and, and got the goal. But, you know, the mistakes, you just, I don't know how you legislate for the, those errors as a, as a manager once, once a player's across the right line in this instance. But the problem is he didn't have enough. He didn't have enough cash in the bank, did he? Um, and that was it. it you know, he, it doesn't. It's what's gone before that's killed him. It wasn't. It wasn't on Tuesday night. Even though you have to, you have to be beating the, the one team that's below you in the league. Um, ironically, I think we moved up the table. And you would we? question any manager who couldn't get his side who to defend better than that, because not even necessarily him directly, but. The coaching staff and, and the drills well, what, and the, what they're I doing mean, on the training ground and all that comes from the manager. Why don't you go out? Go first goal. Go out. Go out. Room. It looks like it's got a deflection, doesn't it? Actually, the shot off, off Wilson and gone in the corner. Um, looked a bit. Keeper looking a bit. That's a keeping error. Keeping error for me. Deflection or not, he's got more than enough time. Yeah, which is I think that, so yeah. close to him. Um, yeah. And then obviously the other two goals. Just stu- stupidity, isn't it? Stupid, well, the the Dong one again, the the back pass. So like, bad for him. Like. Well, it's if he got a clap when he nipped in front of their attacker oh, to no. knock it back. The keeper people actually applauded it, but then it didn't quite have enough on it. Then the keeper hesitated, didn't he? 
to, to come out for it. Do you maybe. think? I no, know. I think that's massively under hit. I don't think right. can get maybe. there. I don't think he's seen I've, it. I haven't I, seen any of them back on the telly, I so I guess it depends where he's sitting in the stadium. I don't well. think he saw the run of the Bolton player. He saw the one on the shoulder, mm. but I don't think he saw the one coming in. And Dom, um, yeah. I think well, you know. I hope he didn't. Well, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's a good point. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it, it might be that the players aren't adhering to what they're being told, that they're making bad decisions, that they're going out of shape. I just think it's a lack of organisation. Either, either way, either way, it doesn't matter, does it? Ultimately, it's the manager's responsibility, and so and when it gets to this point, you've got to make a change. I mean, that error was a huge shame for Indong as well, because I thought he had a good game overall. Um, won the ball back quite a lot, as you saw before he gave the ball away. But he um, obviously played a great ball through for grabbing for the equaliser. Good goal, very yeah. good goal. That was the thing the other night. The three goals we scored were actually like real, like genuine piece of quality. Second goal was a do lovely you, goal. Do you almost feel like the second goal, though, they've gone a bit rogue from their instructions? Am I giving the players too much credit for that there? Because you kind of feel... I wanted to mention this to you, um, Phil. When Grayson, pre-season, mentioned the fact that Sunderland looked good at keeping the ball a lot, but he always given him an indication that it wasn't what, how he wanted his teams to play. And... and I don't know whether I'm just overthinking this, but that, that's what crossed my mind when I was watching the game, and specifically that goal, whether it's just the players taking that on themselves and nick the ball a bit. I, I don't think Grayson ever really gave his attacking players that much instruction. I think they had enough. I think the likes of McGeady, Johnny Williams, what more, had a huge amount of freedom. Grayson always said, we've got no set way of playing. I'm a pragmatist. Well, we know that. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I know that, and it's easy. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that what you're saying is I think an attack... I don't think they, they were, it was particularly regimented. I don't think they necessarily had a huge amount of roles or responsibilities. Well, there's no first. excuse to get the defence sorted out then. If you're going to just let your forward players do what they want, you've got plenty of time to work on shape at the back, haven't you? I mean, and how I, to defend crosses and corners. It's just weird, wasn't it? I mean, I'd... Was there a turning point for anybody where, where they, that stands out to them as, as a moment when they thought, you know what, I'm not sure this is the guy for us? Whether it be a game, anything he said. I think it was the Ipswich game for me, and I think it's a culmination of all the factors you've said there. We got absolutely outplayed on the night. We got beat 5-2. Then after the game, he comes out and says, oh, well, Ipswich were on the ropes at 4-2 down. Mm, I think that was... And, uh... and, you know, and I was kind of sat there. Up until this point, I kept on saying to Grayson, oh, just like, give him time. He's proven in the past. He's maybe had slow starts, but he's turned things around. He's a proven manager. All the kind of cliches that we were told. <clears throat> but then after that game, I just looked at it and thought, well, you know, if that's what we're going to produce against an Ipswich team, which have actually been quite moderate in recent weeks, like even leading up to that game, we got absolutely outplayed. And then he came out and made the very silly comments and then ever since then it's just kind of stemmed from there he's kind of every time you've listened to a press conference of his you've come away thinking oh he's like speaking in riddles there and I know like you're thinking what what you want him to say but what he's been saying in the media and what you see on the pitch hasn't been adding up and I just think it's been a slow kind of deterioration from that moment forward really it's a shame Phil isn't it for him personally I think I mean it's not you, you, we don't have time to be sentimental we're, we're sitting like <laughs> Remarkably, we went up a place with that draw. Um, so we're now, we're now third of bottom, but we don't have time to let somebody have the job because they're a nice bloke, but he did seem like a very nice bloke. Yeah, I thought I thought he carried himself really well. He took a, he took a risk coming up here. I thought he said the, the right things. I think he had the, the best of intentions, but ultimately he knew what he was saying in press conferences and what was happening on the pitch wasn't that enough. He could see it as well as anybody else. Um and I think he's, you know, he'll have understood um, that he was going to go if if things continue. Any rumblings from him off the record, not to share off the record information, but was there any sort of indication he gave away from the microphones being on that there was he 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 wasn't happy with the way things were going above him? Not not particularly, honestly, honestly not. You get that from David Moyes a lot, wouldn't he, you? He he, he may, yeah, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, I think Moyes was as much with his squad as those above him. Obviously, he was actually quite public about his issues with the owner, um, but with the, with the squad off the record, yeah. But with Grayson, there wasn't that. I and mean, that was kind of the, the strange thing about it was what he said about the players, they moves much better, they want to be here, they're enjoying each other's company. It was. I think I actually believed that. I actually got a sense as well, and I felt he was quite happy to be here. I felt he felt he was getting a good response on the training pitch, but it just wasn't translating onto the pitch. Um, but there was certainly no sense of um, kind of acrimony behind the scenes. It just just couldn't get it right on the pitch for whatever reason. You could see, I think, in in some of his, you know, the, the video press conferences anyway, or straight after the game, that he didn't believe the things he was saying. I think you could see it. He looked shot in the bits. He, you know. In the column wrote early in the week, said you know we 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 all had the conversations about how he'd be a safe pair of hands, knows the league and all that. But he, why does he look so lost if he knows the league? Why 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 are we so easy to play against? And why are we set up and in such a way that makes us easy to play against? Why why do we concede goals in the manner that we have against Bristol City and QBR when you can clearly see that what's coming? But and why is it why is it so easy for for those things to happen and I don't know it just didn't sit right with us it, it, they're either not listening to him or he's not he's not doing the things that we thought he would be doing like I wouldn't think would be so easily bullied in those situations because it's like oh he knows the league you know these players will know how to cope with the situations because he'll instill it in them so I don't know um, it's, it's just a baffling really I think. The gut instinct when he when he was announced or it was to be announced that he was a manager was disappointment for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I think that was probably a little bit of a real come down. You know, the idea this is where we are now, and then I think like most people who go to the games, they try and rake around to find why it's a good idea, and then everyone's on board with the idea. And I think if he'd won a few games, a few more games at the start of the season, or even up to now, if he'd won four or five games. He'd still be in the job, and I think a lot of people would still would have his back. Have his back, yeah. but unfortunately, when you've won one in fifteen and you haven't won in thirteen games, and you've thrown away, you know, three points against the worst team in the league. Mm. Absolutely, loads to talk about tonight. We're still going to have a look at some of uh, your tweets as to who you want to be uh, the next Sunderland manager. Um, although we. We often speak about how the board should go away and be more inventive than us fans, don't we? But, you know, if you've done some research and went online and, and produced, like, a left-field foreign name, that would be even better. Uh, but next, when we come back, we're going to speak to our Barra guest. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show. With Stradstone Jaguar Land Rover Houghton Lispring. Visit their temporary sales home at Doxford International Business Park. We are joined now by John O'Taylor and he covers Borough for the Gazette. We're going to speak about the game on Sunday uh, primarily, uh, John O'Taylor, but first of all, your reaction to uh, Simon Grayson uh, being given the boot? Yeah, I was surprised, certainly. I think like like a lot of people, um, obviously from from the outside looking in, I mean, we know that the, the results for someone haven't been great and especially the, the most surprising thing um, has been considering they actually started the season pretty well. I remember seeing them, um, you know, watching the highlights and winning at Norwich and I thought, well, it looks like it was a team that are certainly capable of a top-half finish there, if not, you know, potentially pushing towards the, the playoffs. So, the way it's unravelled has been surprising, as I said, from the outside without watching too much of them. Um, and I don't really know where Sunderland go, really, because, I mean, there is, Grayson seems like an experienced pair of hands in this division, um, and clearly that's not worked out. And, um, you know, given the, the lack of kind of funds available, that you'd imagine in January as well, it, it, uh, it's going to be a tough sell, but... Um, it's a big decision. They can't really get this one wrong. I think. Um, Love the cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, just... yeah, I hope. I sincerely hope for the fans really that they, they do get it right because it, that's the they're the biggest losers. They're always the biggest losers when stuff like this happens. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know that there's northeast rivalry, but you know, put that to bed because no one. It would be it would be dreadful if Sunderland actually dropped out of the division. Um, fingers crossed whoever comes in can stabilise and uh, and hopefully get them a few results. Karanka wouldn't take it, would he, Jonathan? Oh, it would be interesting. I, saw, I certainly saw his name and there would be a lot of interested parties on Teesside if he did take it. But what I thought liked, he, he obviously worked under Steve Gibson here um, and he constantly went on about kind of the stability and the support from the chairman and, and he spent a lot of money here as well, yeah. I thought. Um, that's for sure. So, it would be a bit of a shock, I think, if he if he went there, and certainly his conditions would have to be met. Um, I think a lot of Borough fans equally would be disappointed if he took it because he actually, I'm sure, he would do a good job. What he's very good at is he's a very good good defensive coach, and that seems to. <laughs> you know, I think that's what Sunderland kind of yeah. needed. At this point. No, it does. I think absolutely with the players. He had a couple of fallouts about budgets and stuff, didn't he? We'll talk about that when we come back. One person who didn't fancy the Sunderland job in the summer because there were no budget went to you a lot instead, Gary Monk. So do you mm. want to give us a little bit of a summary of what he's been like and what the season's been like? Yeah, well, it, yeah, every, I think he was everyone's kind of first choice, really. On I think it was him and uh, Pearson that were the two named. He spent a lot of money, and, and you know I think more than forty million pounds was spent on on ten players in the summer, and, and with that comes massive expectation. Yeah. Um, and there's no getting away from it. Borough start, have started slowly. Um, I think certainly if you if you asked me a couple of weeks ago, um, there was massive pressure on him. Not not necessarily in terms of him, him necessarily getting the sack or anything like that, but Borough were underperforming. They were down in about thirteenth place. They hadn't won a game in five, and. and there was no real identity. No one really knew what Gary Monk stood for. But since then, I mean, he's always kind of he's kept level-headed. He always said that look, it's a project and it will it it will click. And the last couple of results, certainly away at Reading and, and then at Hull on Tuesday, it, we've seen signs finally that actually we know the direction we're kind of heading in. Um, but he needed a couple of big results and he, he got them just at the right time. I thought. What have the signings been like generally? Um, well. The, I think they, they kind of paid the price in the Premier League for going with um, kind of 
people without experience in the, in the top flight and that cost them. So they've, they've done the opposite this time. They've gone for tried and tested championship players. You know, people like Cyrus Christie, Johnny House and Brits on Belonga. You, you know what you're going to get with those players. And um, Certainly, the I think everyone's done pretty well. Um, I think the one perhaps that you didn't expect to do quite as well, uh, like the Cyrus Christie, um, he's been an absolute revelation. He's been probably the player of the season for Borough. Some belonger, as I said, you know what you're going to get. And, and Braithwaite, who um, he signed for £9 million, a lot of money. He uh, was missing for seven weeks with a hamstring injury, but he's only just returned to the fray, and, and he looks a real player. Denmark International will play, probably play him at number 10 on, on Sunday. And if they can get Braithwaite and some belonger firing together, um, they might take some stopping. Two wins on the bounce then, and Sunderland at home next, and we know what Middlesbrough fans think of Sunderland, so this must be a time where you expect an energetic atmosphere and and a confidence as well. Yeah, absolutely. You couldn't really, if you asked Borough fans um, to, pick, to pick a game at, at home, I think, you know, with all the greatest respect, uh, Sunderland's a, a team that are struggling. Even with the manager um, change? Well, I, I, that's all what we've been talking about a lot this week, actually. I think even with the manager's with the manager change, I think it does change things a little bit, doesn't it? Especially, obviously, with uh, Robbie, Robbie Stockdale being in charge, obviously, the next Borough lad himself. So that's going to be intriguing. Borough have struggled at home um, over the last few weeks. Um, when teams sit deep, when Borough have the majority of the, of the football, um, they have kind of struggled in front of the home fans. They've conceded the first goal. Um, I think before they went to Reading, they conceded the first goal in eight of the, of the 13 league games they played in. So that shows the problem. They are slow starters and they give opposition encouragement to kind of bed in. Um, on Away from home, they've actually they've had probably the best results. I think they're six unbeaten away from home. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic because Borough, the impetus will be on them to attack. And if Sunderland are well organised, the, the home fans will be expecting a kind of a... A, a real kind of performance and to win in style really on Sunday so if Sunderland can get off to a good start it, it could get a little bit nervy in there so it'll be interesting to see how it works out And what would what do you expect to happen for, for the game and for the season? Uh, to, for the game on Sunday I expect it to be a fairly cagey affair I don't think there'll be a, I mean this might sound crazy I mean you guys have watched Sunderland a lot more than me but I don't expect them to be too many goals in it I think that Borough will have a lot of the possession. I think that Sunderland will probably try and break, I presume, people like Aidan McGeady and, and what more. I mean, they have plenty of pace on the counter-attack, so that's how I expect it to turn out. I think it might only be 1-0 either way. Um, as for the season, I think that Middlesbrough squad is as good as any in the division, if not the, the strongest squad on paper. So I'd expect them to be in and around the top two. Um They've got some catching up to do. They've started very slowly, but I would still expect them to be somewhere between kind of second and fourth, I think. Do the fans expect that? Will there be issues if, say, you, you, you get to March or something and, and they're like ninth or tenth and hovering around just outside the playoffs? Oh, yeah, that, that would be an issue if they were down, down there. They've spent £40 million. They, they have to be in the in the top six. I mean, the chairman went on record, didn't he, at the end of last yeah. season with his... Is much quoted. I want to smash the league, mm-hmm. and and you know that is being used as a, a stick to beat them with mm-hmm. a, a, sometimes. But without it, without any manager that has a squad of players like that at his disposal, um, you know promotion has to be the minimum, um, the minimum expectation. And given Borough's record at Wembley and and what happened in 2014-15 at the uh, in the playoff final, the playoffs is a route that really none of us want to kind of try and go down. 
Um, so yeah, I think finishing outside the top two would be a disappointment. Yeah, playoffs is a route that Sunderland fans don't like either, but I think they'll t- <laughs> certainly take that at the moment. Wise men say, Sun FM preview show. With Stradstone Jaguar Land Rover Houghton Lispring. Visit their temporary servicing home at Doxford Drive, Peter Lee. It was difficult for me in my time. I think it was difficult for, for nearly all the managers who's gone there. It's hard to put your finger on exactly what they need to do, but but to keep sacking managers, I don't think is right. You can't continually blame the managers. You know, it must be There must be other things they have to look at. A lot yeah. of protestation, I think. <laughs> I could put Projection. my finger on a few things that yeah, went wrong yeah. last season. It's interesting that he talks about sacking managers when uh, he left of his own accord. Advocate left of his own accord. Allardyce left of his own accord. Last person sacked before. Grayson was Gus Poyer in April 2014? March 2014? 2015, was it? I can't remember. I just thought it was a great escape season. Yeah, yeah, I think you could argue as well that Aston Villa game, Poirier kind of threw in the towel a little bit as well. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd suggest he walked away to it to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's nice to hear from him again, though, isn't it? Full of positivity. You know, yeah, just keep talking. I'm trying to get some tweets above oh, what right, our listeners okay. have been saying. Who they've been suggesting to be the next well, Sunderland manager? What do you guys think about it? Um, I think. <laughs> <laughs> where, I mean, where, where where do you start, really? I mean. David Moyes spent a fair whack of money at Sunderland. Signings were a mixed bag at best. I think Papi Jodobodji was one of the worst of all time, one of the worst of my lifetime. Um, I just, I just think this thing about you can't keep blaming, keep blaming the managers. I don't think anybody at Sunderland does keep blaming the manager entirely. I think people are, are well aware of the issues that David Moyes had to work under, that Simon Grayson had to work <coughs> under. But there's not really a great deal of point in existing as a football club if you keep losing matches over and over and over again. And ultimately, you know, you've got to do something to arrest that decline. Um, you know, it's interesting as well because obviously Moyes and, 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 and Bain stayed in contact clearly a little bit after he left. So he obviously had his, his, his say in Simon Grayson to a certain extent as well, um, which I guess raises question marks in terms of the next manager and, and where they're going to go from there. I think that um, just to kind of carry on a bit from what Phil was saying, that Stability is a very, very desirable concept, but that's kind of all it is, a bit of a concept, because as we kind of pointed out last season under David Moyes, losing every week is not stability, and it was quite evident from about kind of October, November last year that David Moyes wasn't the man for Sunderland, but we persisted with him, and ultimately it was part of the reason we got relegated was because we persisted with him for so long. Simon Grayson came in again. I liked the idea with Simon Grayson of someone who would stabilise a club, and that off the field we could be in better financial health and then maybe in two or three seasons time we could have a tilt of promotion but like Phil says if you lose games week in week out that's not stability so the next manager we get in we absolutely have to nail the appointment to avoid being in this situation like again in a few months time and also you can keep sacking managers Chelsea sack managers all the time Watford exactly. sack managers all the time if, you, if you've got the right processes it's, elsewhere it's, in the club it's, it's all it's, about the appointment isn't it yeah. it's the same yeah. as it's recruitment you know you, you, exactly. can, you can even go Watford even go through a lot of players as well as managers but it's, it's all about bringing the right ones in my personal opinion Kevin Ball for, uh, I think it's his time um, he comes in here with a studio with myself and Gareth and when the mics go off he, he talks to you about tactics and about uh, football and ideas and it's like there's nobody else in the world apart from you and him he engages you that much and I think it's exactly what the players need uh, people have this idea, idea that he's a bit old fashioned he doesn't know when he's talking about tactically sit down have a conversation with football and you would change your mind well on that also on, on that people say 
you know about his playing style and all that. Well, it's a bit of a lazy it, thing it, to it, say. It's, 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 a, it's almost the same thing because you know he was a very decent footballer. Well, again, as how well. do we know what he, Kevin Ball's yeah. playing style is? I mean, unless you watch the reserves every week, whether he was yeah. a reserve team manager, how do you know his playing style? Right, like? but, but did yeah. But yeah. what I'm saying is, I mean, there's a few hundred people go to watch the reserves in 23s, isn't there? It's not as if like the thousands and thousands of Sunderland fans know fa- about his style of play. When he tells you about the favourite, the sides he likes to watch, it's Spurs and teams who play with a bit of a high intensity up front and stuff like that. That's my opinion personally. Gareth, you got one? Well, the the heart appointment it would be him. Um, the head appointment. This would will be, be the first time yeah. he's my heart and head appointment. If I'm being honest, my head appointment would be Karanka, uh, just because. So the the double edged sword of this is that I think. What we need at the moment is someone who's going to come in and get them organised, stops conceding goals. I think we've got enough up front to, to nick games. Um, ending a disaster with Conor. It probably will, yeah, but it's not exactly great now, is it? It always ends as badly. As Jono's just said there, he's, he's actually he, he's coming out and criticised Steve Gibson because he's not getting funds and he got loads of money. He's well, not, he, there's think, no way he would come here. I think when he first went there, he, he didn't spend... A lot in his first season and stuff like that, but then over time he wanted the money to build and spend money on players. But all managers want money. Um, also, they were the one team that were worse to watch than David Moyes, Sunderland, and the Premier yeah. Well, last that, that's what I was going to say. I think the the negative point would would be to that is we, you know, I think we need somebody who's going to come in and lift not just the players but the support in the ground and give give them something to shout about, give them some positivity. My worry with with Karanka would be um, that if he, he he came in, he it might be a little bit towards more that Poyet style slow build up. If it doesn't go well for you, then you could that people start to turn. That would be my. But you know, he's recently promoted. Recent managers recently got a team promoted to the Premier League. Um, so he knows what he's doing in that division. You know, we, we were told Grayson would be a good appointment on the basis that he knows the league. Well, he's somebody who knows how to get promoted. Out of the championship, and ultimately, that's what we need to be doing. My my big concern with Karanka is I think he'd be coming to Sunderland begrudgingly mm. because he maybe hasn't got a job that he thinks he deserves since he's leaving Middlesbrough, and, and he's in the area. And I just fear that what you might have is a kind of Moyes attitude coming mm. in. I think there might be a sense of how lucky Sunderland are to have Aito Karanka, and I'm not sure that's what Sunderland need. I might be proved wrong Absolutely on that. Absolutely not what Sunderland in terms need. Of, well, in, in if terms that was the case, and I, I wouldn't mm. want him. Mm. But the, the names out there at the moment, I mean, you've had... There are lots. Should, uh, should we know, go through some? I mean, Rednaps chucked his hat. Should we, should we go, remove your hat? Should we, should Can we, we have, like, a hat amnesty? <laughs> did, did anyone see the tweet, and it was someone saying, me on the year 19 when Harry Rednap comes up for his interview, and it was the guy with a sniper in <laughs> yeah. camouflage. I thought yeah. that was quite funny. Well, should we go through some? The same three or four keep cropping up here, but it's a very mixed bag okay Andrew and stuff said Paul Hurst looks like a good manager on the up and then said I'm sure we can stop his career I progress about him this well, exactly, now everybody's an expert yeah, well exactly that well, we'll, get, we'll get into that stuff um, uh, Chris Bailey get rid of O'Shea and it could be Howard Wilkinson for all I care I see him as the problem at the club I'm not sure where I, I can't get my head around that it's at all it's a bit of a tinfoil um, I think that one Roy Keane says Patrick uh, Robert Staincliffe said airport. Uh, Richie Kemp, Roy Keane again. Roy Keane, another one. Was he going to come without the budget? Is he, he going to come and work for um, Ellis Short? Absolutely yeah, well, not. Ellis Short's already said hell would freeze over before we give him a job anyway. Um, Daniel Shellard, Warnock for me. Probably couldn't afford him, which in itself is a joke. Um, Imagine not being able to get Ro- Ro- Warnock. Well, I think he's saying, it's, he's, he's saying it's a bit of a joke, isn't he? Uh, Rocco Morgan, ready to come back and settle us mid-table. Michael Todd, if John O'Shea really does run the players as claimed, make him the boss. 
If it works, it's great. If not, he's gone from the club. Steve N said Danny Cowley. That's a guy at Lincoln, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Mobile Macken. Paul Hurst stats, and that's <laughs> his stats on now, which we'll come to in a little bit. Michael Todd comes back in, said he's liking the look of Hurst. <laughs> um, but worry the players will think they are better than him. Luke Headley, Bawley, with you there. Lee Gamble, Allardyce, not going to happen again. Max Ashton says Redknapp, he'd steady the ship, keep us up comfortably. Like at Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need a few more in. They turned yeah. to Steve Cotterell. I know. That's how good a job he did um, at Birmingham. Another one for Paul Hurst, another two for Paul Hurst. Ant-Man, Alan Johnson, Dunfermline, that one that they mentioned. Former Sunderland, he would, go, he would probably go down well with the crowd to an extent. He's doing well up there, isn't he? Philip Price, another one for Keane. Philip Gibbs, Kevin Ball. Um, Reid O'Kane, Big Sam, Mourinho, <laughs> said Tom Walshy409, Paul Hurst, he's actually spelled it Horst, and I'm wondering if that's it, him just pronouncing his accent, maybe he's from like Ashington or something. <laughs> There's another good spelling Paul mistake Horst. on the next one. Uh, unless he, re- unless he <laughs> reigns would cost us, so I think it may be the unemployment list cranker for me. Paul Hurst, <laughs> uh, or Paul Cook, up and coming manager, Bawley, another one for Bawley, Pards, somebody said. Um, I think you get the idea with that joker near somebody. There's a few daft ones being uh, hoided now. Heck and bottom at Barnsley's another one. Gets a couple of mentions. Played for Sun. Well, he was on old books, wasn't he? I don't know if he played. I don't he never made a senior yeah. appearance. Um, move heaven and earth for Karanka. Another one for Karanka. Yeah, it's Bawley Hurst Karanka. Phil Brown says Phil Brown. He's the one whose hat is in the ring. <laughs> yeah. mm. He was the first one. He, the he, the put the ring, he put the ring down, didn't he? <laughs> he put the ring down this morning. And put a massive hat a in massive there. Hat in, it. <laughs> Ridiculous. in fact, the, the ring yeah. is his hat. I think it's a jester's hat. I think it is. I think, <laughs> do you me? Uh, like, how would you feel if you're a the, South End fan? The, the Paul Hurst, chuck- well, well, he actually told the... the, the the South, is it the South End Echo down there? I think it might be, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah and he even told those guys, didn't Tom's he? Saying, he's like, my them up. Team. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm interested in the job. <laughs> yeah. All right, calm yeah. down. It's half five in the morning, yeah. Phil. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Phil, Phil, I said, I said on the record stuff. No, no, <laughs> yeah. this is the uh, this, this is on the record. Yeah. <laughs> Any names? I mean, this Paul Hurst one is interesting, isn't it? And I, I, I didn't know who he was till this morning. If I'm being honest, um, he took over a side last season that were bottom, and he kept them up. And he said he kept them up um, by injecting some enthusiasm and some pace back into the side and some enjoyment because they were playing quite defensive football before that. So that's good. Last week, they lost for the first time in the league this season. So He's ticking boxes, isn't he? And I do like the idea of a young, upcoming manager... However, it's November and then being top of the league. You I know would, what I mean? I, mean we, we, I can remember Millwall being top of the league in December, us beating them 6-0 and them getting relegated. I have to say, I'd, I'm not really sure what the answer to Sunderland's problem is at the moment, but I think if you're going to go down that route, my personal take would be, I don't think I don't think you would, should look past Paul Heckingbottom if you want to go down the route of a young coach who's starting out and has proven himself. I mean, his, his top-played player on Barnes, at Barnes is about 3k a week. What he's done there on the budget is absolutely unbelievable. He's had his squad completely gutted in three successive transfer windows. He's completely rebuilt the team. Could some and people I, say the characters are different there? To what, well, well to, I mean, that's the thing. Them and, and, and ultimately, that was kind of the thing with Grayson, wasn't yeah, it? He was exactly. working with a different... But that would be the same with Paul Hurst. Well, well no, but interestingly, I, did, I read an interview with, with Paul Hurst with Sky, and he was saying on that that when he first arrived there, a lot of the players had been signed by the previous manager from the divisions above and had spent a lot of their career in the championship, and he felt that they thought... Um, Shrewsbury was beneath them as a club, so that that again ticked another 
another box there, doesn't it? If, if that's the mentality of the club, he's, he's going into well, the you, you, But the thing is, uh, the line is that we want somebody with experience. Now, what what define experience? Such a vague term, isn't it? Technically, is, Paul S. experience. Is Paul S. Experience, experience is. I mean, is you know, Karank has technically only had one first team manager's job since he left Real Madrid. I think whatever so. we do, we need to have a we need to have a proper process in place when we appoint the manager because Don't I think be ridiculous. But we made the point in the podcast before that kind of it's almost as if when we appoint the manager, we have a look at the Wikipedia page and say, "Oh, like, what are you doing now with Paul Hurst?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, at least still, at least you've kind of examined like Paul's Hurst like, kind of career, etc. And it's, that's all we can do as fans. Realistically, we're not in a position of power. Um, but as I say in the past, like David Moyes, you kind of get the impression that we all we looked at was, oh, well, he did really well at Everton. There was extenuating circumstances I think for United and Real Sociedad. I, I totally agree with you, and we say this ourselves all the time. There should be more of a, a thought process that goes behind it. I think you can excuse him with the David Moyes one when it's somebody with that profile, because perhaps, uh, because I think we were all happy with that one. Perhaps, um, yeah, but but gen- certainly in the position we're in now, we can't attract. Somebody of that with a name that big, anyway. But I think my argument is, I think all the appointments we've actually made in the past few years, I don't think I've been massively against any of them, with maybe the exception of Grayson when he first came in. But my point is, if you probably sat down with David Moyes for half an hour, you could probably gauge that he wasn't he wasn't kind of in the right frame of mind to take over Sunderland, as we said, but he thought it was beneath him to take us on. So as, as I said, I think we need people who are going to be able to scrutinise these people when they're coming for interviews and kind of give them it based on their performance in interviews, not not just to CV. I know it's easy to talk a good game, but like we said before, kind of like Moyes, he just did not have the right domain for a football club. Dick Avakar, if you did a bit more digging into him, you would think he wasn't suited to Sun at the time because he's always played a very attacking brand of football. We didn't have the players to pay. We didn't have the budget for him to bring the players in to play that side of football. So as I say, I just don't think there's enough due diligence done on managers, and I think we just need to do a lot more of it. And as I say, it's vital we nail this appointment because we say that every time, though, don't we? Not of course, but as I say, but we're not doing it though. This is the point. I guess some, the thing that someone like Hurst got going for them, who was somebody I would never heard of until about ten o'clock this morning. Um, you know, he's obviously an up and coming manager, whereas we've definitely had maybe a section with the exception of Poyet. Um, managers either who've middled out or on the downward curve. Would they need somebody experienced to go along with them? Because I, I, I did say, I know I said to you earlier on that I, I, somebody like that I could get on board with. But, but uh, then I'm going to keep banging time, the, the, the ballie drum here. But what is would, it, would what you is feel it, like you, you need somebody who knows the club in with them? But then does that not affect the way he approaches the, the job? I mean, what, what, what kind of teams, how important is the team behind him? I mean, we've said that this before. I know, but you almost feel like what, one person could be there to. I mean, just theoretically speaking, um, he could be there to do certain things, but he could have somebody who knows a club who could just be in his ear all the time about certain things and about certain players that were there. Like an advisor, uh, yeah, rather or, than or, or even a number two, just to somebody to do the motivation. He's probably got a number players. two, and he's but, probably got a preferred number two. But Kevin Bolly should at least be involved in the kind of a process of appointing the manager because I've mentioned before about kind of managers coming in and doing well in the interview stage. Well. If a manager comes into an interview and um, he gets asked the question, OK, we need to win this game on Saturday to see the division, who do, you, who do you select? Is Martin Bain going to be able to sit there and critique that answer and be able to tell him kind of whether that's right or wrong or not? Whereas if you have Kevin Ball in there, he can say, OK, then can you justify why you do this, blah, blah, blah. He would ask pertinent questions. So I think when he's one of your few men on the at the football club who has a, a football and background shock, I think he should be utilised a lot more rather than just as an ambassadorial no, role. I agree. Kevin Ball speaks to Martin Bainlock. Is that a realistic option? I'm not sure they would see him in that role. Um, 
I, th- I think obviously he's loved at the club, but I'm not sure whether they see him in in that capacity. I think like what you mentioned an advisory role, even. Possi- possibly, yeah. I mean, the the thing is, the the point you mentioned, you've gone saying Dick Advocat wasn't the right fit for Sunderland, and it's true. But this is the point that good executives appoint the right person, and bad ones appoint the people that they know. Yeah. In my opinion, and that's why we're reaching a tipping point with Martin Bain because I think you'd have to say right now his credibility in football decision making is on the line. And we'll see it now whether he appoints someone who's the right fifth of the job, whether he appoints someone he knows. Like because Alex McLeish, exactly, exactly right. But because Lambert obviously, is another one Dick, who seems like a, an obvious fit, doesn't he? Which yeah. is not, you know, Dick Advocate. He was known to Lee Congerton, wasn't he? Mm. And, and that's that's my point. He wasn't the right fit for the job, but a bad executive appointed him because he knew him. Yeah. And so this is a huge, huge point. We need, we just need somebody to to get hold of it, whoever it is. And like you say, I think. I think one of the most important things about it is that Martin Bain follows through on some of the stuff that he said in the statement on the website. It said that we need a fundamental change, and you know that that's all. I guess some would argue fundamental change is open to interpretation. Was he just saying, you know, fundamental change means you sat the manager? That's a fundamental decision, or does he mean a fundamental change in the approach? to the job and the kind of person they're going to bring in for me if he says that and then he brings in essentially one of his you know somebody dinner, his dinner buddies <laughs> you know what I mean who he likes think... to go to restaurants with and has a pint and talk about football with and they can convince him that you know they're they're a good fit for the job then you're basically into Joe Kinnear and uh, oh. Joe Kinnear and, and Mike Ashley territory to be honest it's, there's not a, there's no logical reason to make those decisions apart from you know, they're my mates, so I'm giving them a job because I think they'll be good at it. You know, that that's not a reason to appoint somebody's manager with Sunderland. Right, we're going to do this quickly. We're going to come back, continue to talk about this in Borough. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show. With Stradstone Jaguar Land Rover, Houghton Lispring. Take a test drive at their Doxford Business Park temporary home. This last part of the show was um, designated to speaking about the Borough game in particular. Do you think we should just carry on with the, the manager yeah, stuff? Yeah, it's boring, isn't it, the football? Well, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the two um, caretaker managers, the jump, the combo, um, how how they line up, and because that will give a big indication, won't it, Phil, about what they see, what they maybe thought Grayson was doing wrong. That's yeah. always the interesting thing a caretaker manager does, okay. who's already been at the club. Yeah, well, I mean Billy, Billy McKinley in itself is an interesting appointment. I mean when he came in to help Simon Grayson out, Simon Grayson must have been looking at that and thinking David Moyes' former assistant brought the club by David Moyes. That's interesting. And you must now be thinking now that he's his caretaker manager. Um, but you're right, it'll be interesting to see with the differences they make because that'll tell a lot about what they think's gone wrong in the last few weeks. I mean, on the on those two as well, I mean, obviously McKinley hasn't been there for that long. I mean, we've had Robbie Stockdale in the, in the studio on the show a few years ago. My Sports, feeling is, yeah, speaks well, well yeah. nice guy. My feeling is that he, really he actually has to move on as well. Yeah. That's no, my, my good feeling is that yeah. we need to, we can't have another manager come in and have too many coaches and backroom staff around who've been around under Grayson and have been around under Moyes and been around under Allardyce. We need to freshen it up completely because it's the same faces. Like, how... I don't I don't know how it works on the training ground but how does how does a first team coach assistant coach continue to deliver the same 
the di- different ideas from different managers, but it's coming from the same person. It's coming. It's the same voice. Um, and I think, you know, you always there's always going to be an influence of that person there. So I just feel as though that, you know it's it's football and like pe- people, <laughs> nice people lose their jobs all the time. But it would just be my gut instinct is that he he probably has to leave as well for the for the benefit of. And not just him, probably other members of the coaching team. So McLeish with him as number two, then that's what's, that's, that's, what's <laughs> yeah. right around the corner, isn't it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Go and get your money on that. I don't know oh, what you man. think about that. But. I mean, you know, Phil, you just sat I mean, you just nailed it there, really. It's a crossroads for Bain and his credibility here. And, you know, I feel like we should, he needs to know that. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to know. Are you going to te- are you going to tell him? Are you going to ask him the, the difficult get, questions? We keep Phil? asking him. We keep getting him on. That we keep asking. Him. Come on the show if you're listening, Martin. Come on and tell us your process. Because it, it'll be interesting. Like and like Michael's saying, it's stuff we've said before, and he's nailed it. There needs to be discussions with the manager, with with the any prospective manager. What do you think's gone wrong? How would you manage this group of players on the pitch? Stuff like that needs needs to be answered rather than somebody who's going to come in and then say, I'm your man to do it, and then come in and say, oh, well, actually, these players are rubbish. Uh, you know, I can't set them up. I need some more. You know, mm. It needs to be more inventive than that. I, I think, yeah, I think we've just reached, like as I've said there before, I think it's just a defining moment for him because it's all well and good making inroads to the financial situation at the club, but that's a waste of time if Sunderland keep dropping and dropping on the pitch. I and mean, if he wants to be a football executive, yeah, disappointment has to be the right one. I, I can't put it any simpler than that. Do you think this time next week we'll be standing here talking about actually we won't be will because there's no game um, this time in a fortnight we'll be standing here saying that most Sunderland fans are happy with the person they've brought in looking ahead to the Millwall game and thinking about you know we might get a few more bums on seats um, you know you know, reinvigorate the support or do you think we'll be thinking sitting talking about a manager who's come in people are a bit nonplussed about him People are thinking, why is why is he being given the opportunity? And do you, what does your gut say that you what will be well, defaulting about? My gut says it will be underwhelming. Yeah. That's just me being honest. I'm, and I don't want people to Agreed. hear that and say that. Some, you know, I know someone naff's coming in. That's not the case at all. But my gut is it will be disappointing. Thanks for listening. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show. With Stradstone Jaguar Land Rover, Houghton Lispring. Visit their temporary servicing home at Doxford Drive, Peter Lee. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.